Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Free in Midfield podcast. I am, of course, your host, Kojo, and we're going to get straight into it. I have got three fantastic guests. The episode is called Arsenal Progression or Frustration. A lot to unravel there. Um, it's been a good season, in my opinion, for Arsenal. Some, not so much, don't think so. Um, I'm not going to use the term bottling for them. I don't think they did. But at the same time, being a Man United fan, if you want to say they bottled it, I'm absolutely fine with that as well. Um, but introducing my guest, they'll start with Basil. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. <laughs> I was hoping to come back in more positive circumstances. But, you know, the last, I think the last time you spoke, I said I'll be back here with Arsenal winning the league. But it didn't happen. So. <laughs> I'm yeah, back on the list. I had a plan for you, but I sort of abandoned it because you guys were going through it as, as much as it was anyway. So I thought I'd leave it. Um, for those of you that don't know and maybe are new to the show, that I think it's before Basil is indeed an Arsenal fan. This is an Arsenal podcast today, by the way. So if we're going to do that, we have to bring another guy in who is another huge Arsenal fan. Art, how are you doing, bro? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Obviously, into the summer now, so kind of getting a little bit of rest. But um, yeah, I think... Uh... Now that the dust has settled, it's probably a decent time to kind of go back over the kind of emotional roller coaster that was uh, <laughs> last season. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And finally, last but definitely not least, he's back with us. The last time he was on this show, we had a one on one interview with the star. He's back again, not only to talk about Arsenal, but a bit about his club as well and what they've done this season. They've done wonderfully well. The assistant manager of FC Sheriff, that is Valerio. Zulas, how you doing, sir? Ciao, 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 guys. All good, all good. The season of supporting as Roma fans was not good. The end of the season as well <laughs> as an Arsenal supporter. Uh, 2023 could be better. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But we know, we'll start with you. We'll start with you. Um, as I said, you are the assistant at Sh- uh, Sheriff at the moment and you've had a very successful season to be fair, including a very dramatic uh, penalty shootout in the Moldovan Cup, which ended 7-6 to Sheriff, um, quite tight. But just in terms of the season overall, how happy are you, uh, considering this was what, your first season at the club, right? Yes, yes, yes. We came in January. Uh, we ended uh, with uh, with one double, winning the league and the cup. Uh, we performed well even in Europe. We, we lost uh, against Nice in the eighth final on the Conference League, but we did a great performance. And also the, we we put value so few few guys few interesting players that for sure we will we will see in Europe uh, next seasons. So I'm happy what we've done. Absolutely, absolutely. You had a great year. Um, so on the football pitch, you had a great year, as you said. Supporting other teams, not so much. Um, <laughs> Roma uh, are back in the Europa League next season. They've had a good um, domestic season, in my opinion, um, but. They got to the Europa, uh, Europa Conference final. No, no, no. West Ham won the conference. Europa League final, sorry. Against yeah. um, the team that seems to just win it all the time, Sevilla. But you ran them close. It was a very narrow loss. Um, but the whole aspect of things as well with Roma, how do you feel about Mourinho's um, season this year with uh, the club? Uh, as a fan, I can say that all the fans, all the as Roma fans, absolutely love him. Uh, because he's... Is a really hard and uh, really demanding uh, uh, place to, to work. So uh, he achieved two European final in two years in a row. So we saw we also the the final cup against Sevilla. It was really made by episode. So 
we cannot uh, we cannot blame anyone about the results uh, the the club uh, is developing well uh, so unfortunately we cannot compete in the champions league in the next season but uh, i think that he did really well uh, sevilla is one uh, specialist in this uh, in this competition <laughs> uh, you, you cannot uh, you cannot win against sevilla in the final but no we, we the old fans are happy despite the the defeat in the in the final yeah, I will. I mean, right now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I absolutely despise Sevilla. Um, no, no particular reasons apart from smacking my team in the semi-final. But hey, hey they, they, they made me very upset. Shout out David De Gea for his absolute um, nightmare show. But um, yeah, we're not here to talk about Man United. We're here to talk about another Premier League club, and that club is Arsenal Football Club. Now, dare I say? I don't think any Arsenal fan expected to challenge for the title this year. I think that's a fair comment to say. But at the same time, I think when you are running the show and you're so close to winning it, there is going to be a bit of annoyance if you don't come through and win it. Um, so we're going to start with... Let's start with Art. Now, um, <laughs> beginning of the season, what were your expectations in terms of looking at Arsenal, the players that you brought in, Gabriel Jesus, Zinchenko, List goes on. Um, looking at the squad and what you had, what were your honest views of what Arsenal could achieve during the season? Yeah, um, my bare minimum, so again, floor-level expectation going into the season was Champions League, and I think that's the same for everyone. Um, mm, yeah. Just get back in that top four um, because it had been too long uh, for, for Arsenal to have been in the Europa League for about six years um, and out of Europe for one of those years. So that was the base level uh, expectation. But in terms of actual, my personal opinion, um, my predictions were they would finish third. So I felt, I felt pretty sure that they would get Champions League just because I know there was a lot of disappointment um, at the end of last season. Um, so not the one that's just gone, <laughs> um, but when they finished uh, fifth. Uh, yeah. And I just felt that a few, if a few things went their way, they could get Champions League quite easily. And um, I think the way they started the season with really early business in, in the summer was probably the, the main thing that helped them because unlike that season where they finished fifth, they didn't waste time. It wasn't a case of, yeah, okay, they, they lost three games on the bounce um, at the start of the season where, okay, you can say it's early on in the season, but at the end of the day, they're not picking up points. Um, instead, they were picking up points from day one. So, um, yeah, I feel like my start of the season prediction was fine, but then the question is, do expectations kind of shift as the year goes on, which is a bit of a more difficult conversation i think absolutely basil yeah expectations shifting so when you guys were flying high looking like you were i mean you I'm going towards the end yes you worked out contenders but let's say we're looking at december yeah history post 2004 has shown arsenal to sort of almost get there and then not get there. But looking at how good you guys were playing and how well the team was gelling together, did you have that sense of, ah, I still don't know, or did was there a growing belief? Because truth be told, 
I sat at home saying Arsenal winning the league. I don't like saying that. Even though I'd rather, I'd rather say that than say Man City going to win the league because I hate them. But, you know, how, how are you feeling mid-season looking at the squad and looking at how they were building? I think it was more optimism. I think only realistic belief came in when it was like game 29 onwards because that's the business end. I think mm-hmm. in December you can get carried away, but I think it's more optimism we can do it. But at the same time, it's like, just keep City honest and challenging. That's all I kind of wanted at the halfway point of the season. And then, as you mentioned earlier, as time goes by, expectations should shift. If you're still there, come, you know, the last few games of the season, which Arsenal were. Um, So at that point, then, I guess you had, I mean, if you're a serious club and serious, ambitious players, I think at that point, expectations should shift for you and say, we can win the league and we should strive to win the league. Um, and I think it's, it's quite disappointing because I guess I've heard the word, I guess, bottled being used a lot during the season and there is that contentious debate. I think that word only comes into play depending on how you kind of throw away um, a title challenge. I think with Arsenal, the disappointment was if it was against the more difficult teams where we kind of became undone, where we were expected to, then you could say, well, you know what, good season, it was expected and they fell at the hurdles that they should have. But then when you look at some of the matches, Arsenal drop points and the, the circumstances behind it, it's more of a, of a bigger disappointment. You, I, I guess I kind of don't have a problem with people using the word bottled because of the teams we lost those games to, like drawing against West Ham, losing to Southampton, uh, throwing a two-goal lead against Liverpool. Considering, especially West Ham and Southampton were the teams you wanted in that kind of in that kind of title run, and you let it go then. But at the yeah. same time, I don't think we can get too carried away with disappointment. I think the first thing you want Arsenal to do is be competitive. Every club should first be competitive and build from there, which is what Arsenal have done. I guess the more telling part as to what this season is will be how we um, build build on that next season, because if we don't build on that, then this season really is just a disappointment because it leads you to nothing. If you can build on that, then obviously you can say, well, this season leads us to part to a stage where we can be competitive and get to the point where we can close at the final end of the season. So I'm yeah. kind, I'm, I'm still disappointed, but I'm, I'm kind of optimistic to see how next season is, if I'm being honest. No, that's fair. I mean, firstly, can I just say, drawing to West Ham is no, is no disappointment because they are European champions. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Oh. <laughs> no problem there. Yeah. Oh please. Yeah. We're, we're, bl- we're forever blowing bubbles, you know, that's the kind of things over here. Um, but there you go. there's a key point that I want to um, allude to in the, se- um, in the season, though, and um, I want you guys to jump in as well after Valerio makes his point. You can, you can go back and forth. Yeah. Was the injuries to Gabriel Jesus, or the injury rather to Gabriel Jesus, because not to say that Arsenal lost the momentum and Ketia came in and did a good job, but he got injured and then later on Saliba, got injured and it looked like Arsenal sort of lost their way especially with Saliba gone um, and Partey ran out of form as well um, is it is it fair to say that Arsenal lost their way simply because they lost two key players uh, or on the other side of the argument where opposition fans are saying losing one player isn't an excuse to sort of I guess concede the, the games that they did and not win. What, what side do you come from on that one? Uh, I'm more from the second one. But to be fair, uh, I mean the the Gabriel Jesus is uh, what is important play in the 
Arsenal setting, but uh, the, our Teta plays, uh, the, which uh, every player is involved uh, in the in the attacking phase, uh, I consider that they, they should have other solution. So it would be not considered an excuse from from the club, uh, from the team to to miss just one player because they are not uh, Gabriel Jesus dependent as, as they, they show their style of play. So I don't agree on, on this, but of course, uh, quality, the quality that it brings uh, in front, uh, especially in the last 20, 25 meters, is huge. But uh, they, they, they should, uh, they should, as we mentioned before, they had uh, uh, more than one match point. So, yeah, I mean, go on, Basil. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say we didn't miss Gabriel Gabriel Jesus so much. I think ultimately he's very important for the build-up play and how we play. But mm. I think we kind of coped with that because everyone else kind of chipped in Odegaard with the goals, Sack with the goals, Martinelli. So it was kind of spread out a bit when he was injured. Um, I guess Saliba was the one where we really felt it after his injury. I think the way he partners Gabriel, I think sometimes he can cover some of the mistakes that Gabriel sometimes makes because Saliba is, is quite good in terms of recovery defences and sometimes in positioning. Not saying he's perfect, but I think they complement each other well. And I think Gabriel still performed well, but you could kind of see the weaknesses when there wasn't that synergy between either him and Holding for that period of time. Um, so I think Saliba was a miss, but I think ultimately the injuries wasn't the issue. I think sometimes Arteta's lack of squad rotation was a bit of an issue, or sometimes just the ability to kind of adapt his tactics a bit. I think sometimes when he went into a game with a specific type of tactic, he kind of didn't want to change, or sometimes trust some of the plays he had on the bench. And I think that kind of went against us in the final end of the season when those injuries started to happen. That's fair. Um, but I, I would argue... As important as Gabriel Jesus is, I am I'm a fan of strikers of strikers scoring goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like he gets enough, man. I well, I know, I because I, I agree with what Valerio is saying. He is so key to what Arsenal does, as is everybody. Yeah. But you you, you gotta get goals. I, yeah, I I get what you're saying, but scoring goals isn't the reason Arsenal didn't win the league, in my opinion. Mm, I'm not sure yeah. what the other guys feel like I in my opinion it's kind of a, a mixture of a lot of things like say the Saliba Gabriel partnership not being there but also there are these moments where it just seems like mentally Arsenal weren't really tuned in um mm. to the game or the moment that they were playing in so the West Ham game for instance that for me is a, a much holds a lot more weight than um, the Liverpool draw because they were 2-0 up in that first 10 minutes they were outstanding and then a really silly moment in midfield just gives uh, West Ham an opportunity to get back into their game and that mm. kind of feeds into what happens against Southampton in the first minute so mm. those are um, the situations I feel um, where it really kind of cost Arsenal season rather than oh Gabriel Jesus has gone on another <laughs> amazing run and he's <laughs> and his shot's been saved yeah. even though I think we can all admit we'd prefer that he'd be scoring those chances I don't really think that's where Arsenal's season um curtailed um as much as those other key moments further down the pitch because ultimately 
Arsenal, Arsenal's foundation is what's got them here. And the lack of that in the kind of last few games of the season is what, what cost them. I, so I, we, still, I, I still think we need another striker, if I'm being brutally honest. I don't like what we have up front, personally. Uh, one, I, I'm not a fan of Eddie. I don't think Eddie's of the right quality to be at Arsenal. I think he does well, he works hard. But I think, ultimately, he is a second striker. And, I, and coming off the bench, I don't think he's that effective, if you've watched him. Um, he's more of a, he has to start. He's, he doesn't make much of an impact coming off the bench. I think... Also, Gabriel Jesus doesn't score enough goals, which, okay, cool. You know, he makes up for his overall play. But I think sometimes his positioning is what kind of annoys me sometimes because I think sometimes he's too deep. I think that's more of an Arteta problem because I think Arteta instructs him to do that. But sometimes when we're on the tack, we don't have a focal point. And I think that also contributes to why he doesn't get as much goals. And even though he's not clinical, and I think sometimes we can potentially get caught out in the second season when teams have at Arsenal, we can't rely on a striker to score us goals. So I still think Arsenal should be in a market for another striker, personally. I think Gabriel Jesus is good to have in the squad, but for the times where he does go on those runs where he doesn't score, I think we need someone who can come in and actually challenge him properly and say, you know what, I can step in when you're not performing. Oh, well, that's the thing, the focal point, I think, because if you look at, well... You can't really count City in this because they've got Haaland. But if you yeah. look at how Liverpool operated with Firmino, Harry Kane is a focal point, but he dropped, he tends to drop deep for Tottenham many a time. Karim Benzema, a goal-getter as well, but he drops deeper many a time. I guess it's kind of the the new number nine role that you, you have in clubs. Maybe that's yeah. what you're trying to do? I, I think, Coach, I just find a point that. I think what you can do that when you when your wingers score you 20-plus goals, even if you look at as well as Saka and Martinelli played this season, I think they scored like 15 and 16 goals. So they don't they they don't score large amount of goals to cover what are strike our striker deficiency sometimes. So I think when you when when you look at the other teams, their wingers score a lot of goals. So then you can kind of have a striker supplement to you that way. I guess if the goals aren't coming a lot from the wide men, then it kind of becomes an issue when the games become tight and you're searching for goals. But that, that's just my opinion. I may be Happy to be kind of proven wrong with a different view on that. No one else. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Valerio, onto that. Obviously, we spoke about Saliba. When Saliba went out, they had two centre back replacements: Rob Holding and the new boy. Um, I don't want to butcher his Ch- name. Kiyofo, Ch- Ch- I think it's Kiyofo. 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 Yeah, Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to say K for now because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin his name. Out of respect. Um. Missing your key defenders, I mean, anyone anyone can suffer. I mean, I can, I'm a main knight, I can go back to the days when we had Rio and Vidic out, so we had to put Fletcher and Carrick centre-back. Sometimes you suffer because they're not they're not your your key partnership. Um, but Rob Holding, just on him, I don't actually think he's that much of a problem. Look at how Arteta used the team and um, how K, uh, K came in and... Um, Performing, I think he performed quite well. Do you think um, Arsenal need to maybe bolster in that position, or is the midfield still the the key thing? Because I know they're looking for Declan Rice and Moises Casado. Uh, about the defenders, you know, uh, about my 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 culture, and my job, I'm really focused on it. So hmm. uh, I think that it's not about individuals. To be fair, uh, they played back four almost all the season, back four with the plus midfielder by three. So um, 
considering that in the four game, in the strike of the four game, most important of the season, they conceded 11 goals, Arsenal. So it's too much. You, and they conceded seven, uh, seven goals for seven games in a row. They consider always a goal. As a club that stays and is competing to win the league, it's not possible to allow to concede every time one goal, two goals, three goals, four goals from the opponents. It's, not, it's really uh, not possible because then you need to score more. So uh, about the defensive setting is something that uh, I could uh, uh, say something because uh, I, I, the way they defend the box, I think that there are over 10 goals uh, that could be avoided. How they defend the box, they have a zone setting, uh, so they don't mark in the box. It's something that can be acceptable if the action is fast. Uh, so you don't have time to switch from zona to man marking, but on some kind of cross, especially with two touches or from low box with two touches after a 1v1 should be man marking. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of goals were considered like that. Uh, the goal, the second goal against West Ham, when the, the line defensive line was rising, not all together, not looking each other. So one uh, player from West Ham, I don't remember who, uh, went uh, went inside and, and yeah. put the ball in the middle. So. Did uh, this kind of did so the timing to rise and drop for the line to not play as a unit because now we are all speaking all, all focus on one v one on the defense one v one one v what sometimes you need to play as a unit in the in your creation zone in your last thirty meters so the, a lot of goals could be avoided to be fair and this is the point uh, in my opinion because Arsenal in the last ten games uh, uh, they they really drop because you cannot score two three goals uh, each game some some game you will win one zero. One. Is that is is that because of uh, a lack of familiarity, maybe with the centre backs, or I mean, you're saying the whole unit? You know? No, I I speak about whole unit. I'm speaking about whole unit. Uh, then of course the, the defenders are different characteristics, but they perform it well because they are they are strong. Uh, they you know the the rhythm the rhythm in the Premier League is really high. Uh, the physical demand is really high, so. Uh, even how the Arsenal attack, they, I saw that their defensive line stay on the midfield, so they play on the other page. But uh, uh, on the last defending the creation zone, in the last 30 meters, especially in the last games, they they really could do better. Okay, that's fair. That is very fair. Um, quickly on their rivals, <laughs> Man City. Ah, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> on Man City. Obviously, they um, they played something a bit different. They played with pretty much four centre backs. I know um, John Stones played a bit of a midfield role, but essentially it was Diaz, Akanji, Ake, and Stones as part of a defensive partnership. Um, I guess the question is, and it's open to the floor. Is is I mean, considering how Pep and Arteta work together, similar styles, you know. Is that something that he may have to consider in future? Because it did work for City in the end. They managed to strengthen up the defence and still managed to score a bucket load of goals or win narrowly when needed anyway. Um, I don't know uh, what the other guys think, but um, it is something that Arteta has done before. So okay. um, if you think back to the Liverpool game that they won uh, in October at the Emirates, Tommy Asu, uh, start at left back um, to kind of take care of Salah, cutting, on, cutting in on his left foot. And then obviously Ben White, who's a centre-back, has been right back for the whole season. So I, w- I wouldn't say it's out of the realms of possibility, but um, the direction that Arsenal have gone in, 
um, since Zinchenko came in. I, I just doubt that is something that would happen regularly. Maybe for the one-off game, like with Tommy Asu against um, Liverpool, but I just feel like the way that, say, they are able to move the ball when Zinchenko plays, um, I think taking him out probably you lose a bit too much um, if you just go to, say, four centre-backs. But maybe when you get to the Champions League and you need different ways of, uh, one, threatening teams, but also uh, defending against them, maybe that's something that uh, becomes a bit more of a regular occurrence. Yeah. I'll make a point just as an observer, not as a coach. <laughs> um, um, I, I would say that's where my criticism sometimes of Arteta comes from in terms of I, I criticize but I think his education under Pep Guardiola sometimes goes against him and in terms of what I mean by that is that we've seen he's trying to replicate that at Arsenal the reason why Pep can do that is because I think they have a higher level of quality of players overall in that 11 so they can do that and you just look at how assured that they are on the ball I think he's trying to replicate that not with the same level of qualities so that's why sometimes I'm like, as a coach, adapt to kind of what kind of players you have around you rather than trying to kind of force it with players. Sometimes you can't replicate the ideas that you want. So, for instance, um, Zinchenko sometimes playing our left back and coming in central midfielder sometimes leave, leaves us exposed. Now at City, it worked when he was playing there because they dominate possession so well because they're backward on the ball. We don't, so you kind of have to have cover that if we're left exposed there, what's the plan for when Zinchenko sometimes doesn't get back or sometimes when we're out of out of um, possession there. I think that's why Pep can play, as you said, four centre-backs behind because they're so possession-based and they keep the ball so well. Sometimes we can't, so when we lose the ball, there's kind of panic with our players because they're not that well-drilled as City are. And sometimes that's why I think, just as an observer, I think sometimes Arteta needs to kind of have certain different ideas for when that doesn't when our initial plan doesn't work what can he do to make sure the players kind of adapt on the pitch and that their strengths are kind of utilized to kind of bust the line i guess valera is an assistant manager so i guess he probably has <laughs> other ideas <laughs> that, would, that would be quite useful <laughs> and how he's observed things oh, Arteta is, is a monster Allowed to, but the DB for the, the defensively, I I should uh, I noticed that that of course as uh, as uh, the, you you can defend even with the ball. So this depends how, what how they work in the week. We we could never know uh, what is the approach, what are the principle, or what what uh, what does he ask to the players uh, in both phases. So, uh, we we cannot uh, go so deep. We you can just observe from out. Yeah. Um, before we go back to Arsenal quickly, just on Man City, obviously they've achieved a historic uh, treble. <laughs> they've um, the first team to do it in 24 years since May 9th in 1999. Just on City and Pep Guardiola, how do you stop them? How how do you stop them? I mean, looking at how good they are, especially because they've got a certain. Mr. Number Nine up top, who has smashed records this season in the Premier League already. Um, Erling Haaland, for anyone that doesn't know, which I'm pretty sure everyone knows. Um, just how good are they, or how can they be better? 
even. I mean, it's a crazy question to ask considering they just won a treble. They've won a fr- the league pre. Uh, they've won the league three years in a row. Um, again, one of only two teams in Premier League history to do so, but they've done it this year in quite a outstanding fashion. They were the chasers against two Arsenal, and it's when Arsenal dropped points they 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 just capitalized straight away as you would want them to do. Won the FA Cup very well, and of course beat uh, beat Inter Milan in the Champions League final. A tough game, very tough game. Um, tactically, a very difficult game as well because Inter uh, pressed very well with their three five two. Um, but yeah, City. Just how good are they and Pep um, as a whole? Uh, let's start with Valerio. Uh, I think that the best, uh, of course, is one of the best manager in the history of this game. But uh, it's not only that. It's about uh, how uh, unpredictable and uh, how you cannot read the teams of Guardiola. Uh, you really cannot read them. Uh, they are really. Uh, you, you can start left back and finish the the action, finishing and scoring the goal. Uh, so this uh, how can you, this team uh, liquid team how can I say uh, is, is really yeah. uh, something that we we, we are still is something similar. I'm seeing some connection with now the Zerbi with Brighton, something uh, that I like also. But uh, the, the the team are Guardiola are this this and he can catch exactly the player uh, in which uh, in which condition and. Uh, are they able to express each other? Uh, not only about the position, but uh, putting uh, two, three players close to each other to then make rotation, to then attack, to then cover each other uh, is about uh, connection. Uh, I, I don't think just about the role of every single player, but about uh, uh, a little group of players uh, narrow each other and connected each other. Uh, this is really something that impressed me. That's so good. Yeah, so nice. good. I'd also add to that mentality. I mean, there's there's two things. There's two points. On it. It's just a mentality thing. I think the way his preparation for these players, just to get them when time is ready, in the crucial part of the season, ready and mentally unfocused. Because you know everyone talks about how City go on a run and finish strong in the season, and they constantly do it when it's crunch time. I mean, the, the biggest one is when they won the league by one point against Liverpool and they won, was it 14 games in a row at the time? I mean, it was ridiculous. But one thing Valeria highlighted, um, but I think is also key, I think he, one thing Pep does is that he knows the right time to bring players in and bring players up. And that's a skill that not many managers have. So sometimes people wonder, why isn't this player starting? Like for any other team, he will start. And it's always justified because the guy who comes in for that player and plays for a number of games, performs. So I think Pep has a good skill of monitoring, analyzing, and knowing these players during the prep time, during the week to know, okay, it's not right. He's not right to play this game, or he's not right to continue playing this run of games. You can come in. And, that, and, and also mentally, the fact that these players can come in and still perform to that high level, even though they've been out for maybe four or five games on the bench, that tells you everything about how he works with the players. And, um, just him understanding the traits of each and every one of these players, which is a skill each manager should have. Because there are managers who can be, for instance, criticized for keeping players in a team too long when they're not performing. Pep seems to have a knack of knowing when it's time to pull a player out and when it's time to bring a player back in. I mean, he did it with De Bruyne earlier in the season. People forget that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Art, just a follow-up on that. When they signed signed Haaland, I think a lot of 
Well, apart from the guy that won a Sky Sports, I said that he's not scoring more than 15 goals. Um, <laughs> well, apart from that, um, the question was, considering the football that City play, how would he adapt? What what differences do you think um, Pep made, if any, to um, help Haaland even increase his goal tally? Because I think this is the highest amount of goals he scored in a season. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one because a lot of the times when a player comes in, it's how will the player adapt to the manager. But I feel with Haaland, it's been almost a flip side of that, um, where Manchester City have adapted to him. So um, a lot of the times he's just making those runs. He'll, he'll make 15, 20 of those like, runs around the corner a game. He might not always get the ball, though there were games where I think he only had eight or nine touches the ball but he was still doing his job and Ooh. the the big thing is um the point valerio made earlier on unpredictability okay he makes enough of those runs de bruyne and bernardo silva have uh, a bit more space uh, to work in in midfield so i think it's been quite interesting that those are just conversations that maybe fans have at the start of the season maybe <laughs> that we're not focusing on the run on, on the right kind of point of emphasis. Um, yeah. And I think we've seen that with Haaland because, and he's mentioned this himself, he knew coming to Manchester City he was going to score goals. It, it's just about how how they're going to fall. Um, so, yeah, I think going forward on to the point of you saying, can they get better? I think they can. And the big thing is, if you're a team competing with that, it's just about almost competing with yourself more than anything. Um, Because Manchester City are going to do what Manchester City do. They do it every year. But say if we look at Arsenal, they could have dealt with moments better. Um, I know Basil's touched on, say, rotation a few times. Personally, I feel Jorginho probably should have been starting a few games earlier than he did in the run-in because you could see that kind of Arsenal going on that slope of just making silly mistakes in midfield. Um, and if you kind of nip, nip that in the bud a bit earlier, maybe things and momentum can be a little bit different. So, um, yeah, hopefully, and again, this is something that I'm not sure if the other guys agree with, but it seems like we've seen the Arsenal kind of just take little baby steps every season. Um, and hopefully those baby steps can actually become a bit more like proper strides um, going into next year. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you think uh, next season could be... I mean, we'll talk about the summer's transfer window in a minute, but just thinking of how you've done this this season, and to be fair, you have progressed bit year by year. Do you think next season could be a year where you could really, really push on? I mean, you've been in the title race this year, it's taken it to the wild, but do you think you could really push on and maybe find that mentality to make Arsenal go further and maybe grab the crown because it will be 20 years to the day next season um, of Arsenal becoming invincible if they were to win the league. Do you think they've got that mentality coming? Anybody? Um, um, it, it depends. I think there's two factors involved. Our, trans- our summer transfer, I think it's key. I think we haven't done well overall. I think we made one or two good signings, but I think overall we haven't done well in the transfer transfer market over the last few years. I think we've kind of um, 
signed players who weren't of the quality. I still think we're making that mistake now, personally, with the likes of Reese Nelson, um, who hasn't played that many games for Arsenal or even seemed like he's or even seemed trusted by Arteta, but we're handing him a four-year contract. Um, but I think, and then secondly, it depends on what the other clubs do, because I think next season, it probably will be a lot more competitive um, than, what it is, than what it was this season. You know, if the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool get their act together. And I think sometimes it's easier to kind of operate when you're just operating with one club, because you kind of know there's, there's, not, there's not as much jeopardy dropping points. But then there's a lot more jeopardy when there's three or four teams around you because ultimately you have to look at Tottenham. When they started to drop points, look how many places they dropped because of the teams that were close to them. So when you then have more teams who are closer to you, there's a lot more pressure in terms of having to make sure you're, you're getting the three points or the one point because if you drop points in two games, that could be a three, four point, three, three, four place slide and that yeah. adds a bit more pressure. So I think that's why I think this summer is crucial that we get the right signings and we increase the squad with quality that we can actually rotate properly and change players with like for like quality, which is something we struggled throughout this season. That's nice. going to be a very intriguing summer window. Um, the two main names Arsenal have been linked with are Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo. Um, profile of players, I think for me, they're two quality midfielders. I think Declan Rice, in my humble opinion, is better as a almost like a box to box because he is improving going forward he's not he's not great but i think he's good um defensively i don't think you have to worry too much about him i think he's very good a very good interceptor a brave tackler moises casado has shown himself to be quite the ball carrier he can take the ball forward um he's quite confident defensively i'm not so sure um but you guys will know more about Arsenal's defensive setup than me are those the kind of profiles that Arsenal should be looking at to improve the midfield um, uh, Baz uh, I think it's I don't mind them I think it's good to have them my only question I'll have is the money that we could spend on them and the reason why I say because Arsenal aren't big spenders like that in terms of in one transfer window so see if they take a, a, a huge chunk of our transfer budget then you have to question is it wise where we probably need more numbers in other more players in other positions to go for. i like declan rice i'm not 100 percent sure moses salcedo from the little i've seen but that's based upon a lack of knowledge of paying much attention to him so i question whether he is right but that's just because of a lack of knowledge declan rice i like him but i'm not too sure the price tag justifies what the output he's, he's, a, he's a european champion sir <laughs> I mean, stop talking about the third tier of a competition. I don't really <laughs> count that. Champion, oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, if you want to add that, but um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, it's, I mean, if Arsenal have, if they've got their right, their plans right, and we also add on top of them, then it could be good signings. But I don't want it to be those are the only two signings we make because after we spent money on them, there isn't much money left. I think we need to be wiser with how we spend our money because we're not fl- because we're not like cities and Chelsea who are happy to just spend money um, how much they want and build in a squad. Mm. Our own art likes to be a, a, a bit more conservative than the other clubs around. Um, Valeria, I'll ask you this question then. On top of the profile of player, if it's correct, do you think Arsenal should be also maybe focusing on maybe bringing in players in another position? 
Uh, I think yes, but uh, we, we need to understand first uh, to, to, to make a good deal uh, always, is always related with the budget and uh, with yeah. how much you bring the player in on the squad. Mm. So uh, you need to see, uh, I don't know which player are leaving, uh, to be fair. So mm. uh, first, uh, I think they need to see not to overload one some position. Uh, for sure, uh, something in front they have to take to with different uh, some some wingers or strikers with different characteristics to, to yeah. be more unpredictable. And I agree, one uh, one player box to box to box to bring more quantity also in the middle. Uh, maybe one I will I will say one center back as well to make it uh, to create a variation not only to play with back four maybe to to start here to to play with back three in some uh, because Arsenal will will do. Uh, three competition, four competition per year is important not to play with the same system uh, for 50 games. So I should, I should, I always uh, will be more strong in the in the central asset in the central line. Yeah, that's building your spine, making sure the spine is strong yeah. before um, you fix, fix the pieces around it. Um, I, I miss having that, but that's another thing. <laughs> <I don't know>. uh, <laughs> oh, um. On that, um, I want to ask you about the pieces outside of the spine because um, Ben White's had a great year, in my opinion. I think Zinchenko's had a good year as well, and you've got a very good deputy in TNE, although he is linked with a move away. Martinez had a good year. Saka's had a good year. Trossard's coming and done well. But looking at those positions, do you think Arsenal maybe need to add one or two more bodies just to... Well, to me, actually has to come back from injury as well. I forgot about him for a minute. But you know, the question still remains. Do you think Arsenal need to maybe bolster in one of those positions just to not only about making them stronger in terms of depth, but also competition? Because as good as Saka is and he's still getting better, do you think he needs maybe a bit of competition just to make sure he's not, dare I say, comfortable? Well, hmm. this kind of goes into Basil's earlier point on Mikel Arteta and the word of trust. <laughs> um just because when you look at that Arsenal squad numbers-wise, it's actually kind of all right when you look mm. at the wingers. Um, obviously, with Trossard, Smith-Rowe, don't forget about him, um, and Reese Nelson, but they just weren't used. There was a time where uh, Bukayo Saka was ill and still managed to get on the pitch for half an hour against Leeds, um, yes, yes. which at, at that time just seemed like a quite a strange decision and going into next season it's been quite interesting just listening to Arteta speak because he said one thing he has to do is actually get more out of the players that he couldn't um, this season so I would like to see if there is actually any progress there um, I think when you look at the positions outside of that spine um, the one that would be I guess most um necessary to kind of look into his left back if Tierney goes and then you kind of work from there um when you go further upfield how do you then uh incorporate these other players a bit more where one you're pushing Saka and Martinelli but also you're you're able to have a few different um weapons to your arsenal um and I don't mean that to be a pun or anything. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I think first, when you're looking at the business Arsenal are doing, it, 
early on we're seeing that they're trying to retain their core talent um, yeah. and then go into departures and incomings. So um, we're seeing, I guess, a clear kind of thinking with their um, retention uh, of certain players like Reese Nelson. Now he has to actually use him and um, show one, the player, and two, um, the fans why uh, Arsenal want to keep him. Because to be fair to Nelson, he's looked positive when he's had chances, but those chances have been very few and far between. Mm. No, it's fair. Well, I'm actually, I'm, excited, I'm quite excited for him actually. Dare I say because. He, he did come up with some important goals and sometimes it just needs, you need a bit of a run to see if you are the real deal or not. In terms of, this, when I say real deal, it's not about becoming like a megastar. It's just more about, am I part of the pieces to make this team successful? Am I part of the puzzle? Yeah. Um, but, but Coach, I'm very sceptical of that. And I'm only saying that because of what I've seen over the last few years. Um, the thing is that he has been given opportunities here and there, but there's some there's a mental block with Nelson in terms of he can't consistently perform. So even if years back he'll be given a, a run of games, may show he's good in one game, then you look at the two games after and he's very, very poor. Even when he went on loan to Germany, he started off well and then was benched and wasn't really used as much. Same obviously this season's had injuries, but same he scored in the Bournemouth game. And there's games where you saw glimpses, but then you have to question why Arteta didn't use him as much. And then we've offered him a new four years, but I'm like, well, he's been there since I'm pretty sure it was Wenger who gave him his um, his debut, if I remember. And that's a number of years now and he hasn't done anything since then. So I sit there and question, why have we offered him a four-year contract just based off a few, a few bright sparks here and there when that's been the very thing he's done throughout his whole career so far? So for me, and even, I'm surprised that even he himself assigned that contract because as a player, I would think that he would want something fresh to kickstart his career again. And I personally don't think it would be at Arsenal because Saka and Martinelli would always be ahead of him. Trossard, for me, will always be ahead of him. And if Arsenal signed someone else, you're down in the pecking order. So I would question why, for the sake of his own career, he hasn't gone another route. But maybe it remains to be seen. Maybe... You know, this may be the kickstart for him. I, I question whether it will, but we shall see. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I mean, it's, it's also a business side for Arsenal if you consider, you know, I mean, he he was wanted by a lot of clubs um, yeah. based off what we've read on. So if he was wanted like that and they've, they have rated him in Arsenal for many a year, you know, even if he is not as, you know, as um, important if you want to, in terms of squad status as a, um, a Martinelli or a Saka, um, if he has another year like he did, uh, again, it wasn't a stellar year, but it was yeah. enough for people to peak interest. On the other side, as football is also a business, as much as it's a sport, Arsenal will look at that and say, we can at least command a fee for him. That's, Kroger, that's Kroger, how you're, you're, Kroger, you're forgetting the team that you're talking about. Whenever <laughs> Arsenal, whenever Arsenal commanded a, a decent fee well, for this, anybody. Can change. <laughs> I think that's where this summer you need to see, I guess, the gears clicking in because there are compare this to say two summers ago where most of the squad was full of players on high wages who couldn't garner any interest i think now you're starting to get a few a few players who are at a decent age 
aren't on too much money where they are actually piquing some club's interest. So you need to kind of tap into that at some point. But just on Nelson, I think looking at him or his season, he's seemed a lot more just clear in his head, um, mm-hmm. just from where I've been observing from. Um, I think whenever he's got a chance, he's seemed like he's not thinking as much beforehand. I think he always used to kind of get the ball and almost worry about what his next action was, whereas he seemed to just play a bit more um, this season. And hopefully that confidence just kind of flows into next year where you kind of get a few more uh, chances to start games because he didn't actually start a game in the Premier League last season. Um, And then show kind of what you're about to Arteta, Arsenal. And as you said, Kojo, if, if needs be, other coaches at other clubs as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Questions of time. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to just talk about the ambitions of the next season. Um, as fans, what you'd love Arsenal to maybe set as their minimum target for next season. Um, so, Valerio, we'll go with you first. For Arsenal, looking at what they've done this year, what do you think Arsenal should try to achieve next season at the minimum? I would like to see them again at least quarter final in the Champions League. Mm. In Europe, too, is is a name that cannot stay far away from this competition for too long. So I, I really think that they deserve to to be at least quarter final. Yeah, well, hopefully they perform because I mean, if we're talking about the European record, they have been on history. Um, in history, they have been unlucky when they had Bayern and Barca, Bayern and Barca, Bayern and Barca. <laughs> continuously but looking at how they've developed in the last couple of years um of course Bayern and Barca are, are champions of their countries but of their leagues in, in Spain and Germany respectively but they can be beaten and Arsenal are in my opinion good enough to beat those sides at this current moment in time so yeah I think quarterfinal is a very fair shout um Basil quarterfinal of the Champions League what about the domestic cups yeah, I agree with Valera. I think quarterfinals. And I think you also have to look at other teams who have gone far. So even looking at what AC Inter Milan did um, and also what Napoli also did. So um, I think they should aim to at least quarterfinal at least. Um, domestic, I think, trying to aim for a top two. I think a third. I think for me, it's just be competitive again. Because then if you're competitive again, then you have something else to build on. I don't think we should. I don't think we should go crazy and say because we came second, we should try and win the league next season. Um, we're we're probably not there yet. But what you need to do is just like like look at what Liverpool did before they won the league. It was just get to a point where you can compete, compete, and then obviously that builds into the players' mindsets, and then obviously they can then win it. So I think for me, at least a top two, top three minimum, just be competitive and as close to whether if someone else wins the league, just be as close to them as possible. And then maybe in the third season, try and push them for a league. And the cup competitions, I'm not too fussed about us going out in League Cups and FA Cups. Um, League Cups, I'm not too fussed about that one. FA Cup, just be, I don't know, be respectably competitive. That's it. I think the focus should mainly be on the league and the Champions League. And then use the squad a bit more in the other cup competitions. All right, Art, what about you? Yeah, I think... Uh, same for me in terms of the league, just be there, be present. Um, because when you look at, I guess, going into next season and hopefully the season after, 
Um, you'd want the foundation of the team to just raise from where it is at the minute, where I think we can all say is comfortably top four level. Mm. Um, so you'd want to just kind of build on that each year. So for the league, I'd say just be competitive. But then my um, where I'm interested in is how does the squad look on, say, Tuesday and Wednesday nights and uh, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday afternoons? Because that kind of balancing act hasn't been great in the Europa League. Um, yeah, yeah. So where does it go in the Champions League? That's what I'm kind of interested in. I, I too would say uh, quarterfinal is my, I guess, base level expectation for the Champions League. But um, how do they go about doing that? I, I'm not sure just because of what we've spoken about quite a bit in terms of how do you actually get the most out of a squad of players? Well, I want to finish with Gary. That's guaranteed for sure. Arsenal will be hearing these are the champions. <laughs> well, beautiful song. Um, I'm just going to say this, and it's not it's not to put pressure on Arsenal. Um, I, I think when it comes to title races, I, I know who the the benchmark is. Um, there, I say when May United were doing well, that was sort of like what people had that issue with Sarah Ferguson. So I'm assuming if social media was back uh, available back then the way it is now you know people will be saying ah oh, i'm tired of this man united when will satis ferguson get out of the premier league same way the same as pep because pep is running the premier league right now and a lot of people are just frustrated that city are just running the show um with the quality of players they have um but just like you said with liverpool at some point you, you just gotta go for them it, it is what it is um because i think the name of the game is just win as many as possible and you know you just go from there so if Arsenal do have another competitive year next season and go for another title race, then I think the aim of the game is just to win as many as possible and turn those draws to to wins. Because um, I do believe draws hurt more than losses. Yeah, yeah they Three do. Three points, it was obviously it's huge. But when you've got a gap and the team behind you is starting to catch momentum, the one thing you don't want to do is keep drawing because the two points, it starts to catch up on you. And eventually, yeah. when they take that lead, it's hard to now stop them from catching the momentum, especially if you are not one of their opponents. Um, yeah. And obviously, when they caught their momentum after that run that you had, going to the Etihad was a very difficult task. Because I think if you guys were in a stronger position, I think you could approach the game a bit differently and, you know, maybe just get a draw and get the hell out of there. Um, but, you know, you, you live to fight another day. Also, have had a good season, in my opinion. Um just a one-word answer from everybody. Uh, progression or frustration? Oh. Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I had to go for one, I'd go for um, maybe uh, progression. Progression. Okay. Valerio? I would say progression as well. Progression. Basil? Basil. <laughs> oh, I was going to say both, but I can't. I think it's more frustration. Because of because of those the, that free game those free games we had Liverpool, from Liverpool to Southampton, that's why. So more frustration. Two, two games, two games. You, you, European champions, European champions. Two games. West Ham. Yeah. Let's put some respect on their name. What a parade, by the way. Better, better than what happened up north. No names. Just, I agree. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Um, but yeah, no. Thank you guys for joining us. Of course, thank you guys for joining me. Three beautiful, I want to say this, they're very beautiful men, Arsenal fans. <laughs> um, so before we go as well, of course, um, plug yourself on your socials, wherever you want to, or whatever you want to plug for yourself. So we'll start with 
Art, uh, where can they people find you? Um, I'm mostly on Twitter at Art De Roche, um, where I'm silly sometimes, um, and sometimes I talk about football. So uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, Basil. Yeah, you can find me at bjcopes14 on Twitter, where similar to Art <laughs> can be silly, mainly talk about Arsenal. Haven't complained about Arsenal in an all season. And uh, yeah, sometimes we might have a sport such as like tennis. Awesome, perfect. And Valerio, finally. You can find me cleaning the kitchen if you want to talk. You can find me, <laughs> you can find me in, on Twitter or Twitter with the same name, Twitter or LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, this is a quick one. Actually, just want to ask everybody um, who is the greatest of all time in tennis? Oh, it's Novak. I mean, I, I'm I'm a Rafa fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm a Rafa Rafa Nadal fan, but I think Novak overall game he's better than both of them. Uh, so it's definitely Novak. I'll say this: people don't enjoy. And this is me also too. People don't enjoy Novak's style of tennis compared to the other two, which is why they have the other two. I think stylistically they're better, mm. but as an all-round player, for me, it has to be Novak. Ah. And, and it pains me, and it pay, pays me to say this as a <laughs> as a Rafa Nadal fan. Valerio, are you are you a tennis fan? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Who's your who's your greatest of all time? Roger, 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 Roger. Yeah, Roger, I like, I like, Roger fan, Roger fan. Yeah, I, I like I like the answer. I, I don't. I, I, Basil, you're right, but I, I don't like the answer, man. I, I, you're right. You're very right. That's me being diplomatic. Numbers are from Novak. I know. Oh, what are you saying? Uh, I'm a tennis casual, so I, I can't give a proper, proper answer. Um, That's fine. So I'll just leave it to those guys. I, I just watch I watch when I go to my nan's house and Wimbledon's on. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so apologies. That's all right. I'm going to stay on the fence and I'm just going to say Tim Henman. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. Um, of course, your host Kodja here, Free Me for Podcast, everywhere on the audios and all the socials, including Twitch and TikTok, which I still need to learn how to use. Um, but do follow us, um, and we'll probably produce some content probably about two years when we actually learn how to use it. But other than that, um, it's been great having these guys here. There'll be more content on audio of the clubs, a lot of summer transfer window stuff. So do stay tuned and like, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Have a good day. Have an enjoyable summer and make sure hay fever does not do what it does to me. <laughs> <sighs> <Peace>. <laughs> <Sad times. laughs>